me. God of light, illuminate, we pray, the words that are spoken and the words that are heard. Amen. Isaiah says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. This is exactly what we celebrate in the Christmas season and especially at Epiphany. Our light has come, and the light of the world is Christ. The Magi followed a light, the light of a star. These pagan stargazers, the Magi, followed the starlight until they came upon the light of the world, as we sometimes call Jesus. So in this time of shining light, what is illuminated? What is revealed? Where do we find our path lit? A way illuminated for us to follow, to travel? There are sort of two aspects to what Epiphany is about. The first is this sense of light, the light of the star that revealed the Savior's birth, the ways that Jesus is the light of the world, the light of the star that the Magi followed to find the Christ child. So on the one hand, Epiphany is about light. And another, on the other hand, there is another aspect of Epiphany, which is about who sees the light. Jesus was born a Jew, a savior to the people of Israel, the one believed to fulfill the prophecies in the Hebrew scriptures. But in Matthew's version of the gospel, which is the version we heard this morning, the first ones to come investigate the birth of Jesus were these pagan stargazers. Those ratty shepherds only come up in Luke's gospel, and it doesn't seem like Matthew knew anything about Luke's gospel. So if the first important dimension of epiphany is about light, the second dimension is who was drawn to this light. The second dimension reminds us that the ones drawn to the light are not necessarily the ones we would expect and are maybe not even the ones we want. The church has already been terribly confused about who these wise men were, these people who followed the star to find Jesus. I made reference to that just briefly talking to the kids. Every year we represent the wise men in ways that have more to do with myth and rumor than with fact or scripture. They weren't kings. We don't know how many of them there were. The Bible doesn't say they had camels. When they arrive to worship Jesus, Jesus is in a house, not a stable. So the best timeline we can come up with to consider when these wise men arrived, that it would have been sometime before Jesus' second birthday, but not right when he was born. No wonder we're wholly confused about who these men were. Year after year, our Christmas Eve services and our pageants and our nativities continue to throw, show us three kings. Half of what we believe about these men was just made up somewhere along the way. But since it got put into a carol and countless pieces of art, it is seared into our memories as if it were gospel truth, but it's not. Isaiah says, nations shall come to your light. And sure enough, nations come. Different nations, foreign nations, or at least representatives of foreign nations. That's the Magi. They were foreigners. The ones who come are not the ones the prophecies in the Hebrew scripture were addressed to. So what about today? As so often happens, I can't help but think about the scripture in two ways. One, 
about how it speaks to us as individuals, but a second, how it speaks to us together, collectively or as a society. For those of us sitting here this morning, we may understand ourselves as ones who have seen the light or had an epiphany, so to speak. If that's true, then surely our eyes are wide open to how the light shines in our world today. Surely we ourselves are called to reveal the light, to point to the light. Perhaps we are even called to shine a bit ourselves in the interest of helping show the way toward the greater light. Nations shall come to your light, says Isaiah. An election year particularly lends itself to thinking about how the United States is or isn't a light to other nations. I find myself daydreaming, imagining what it would be like if the U.S. shone with those characteristics illuminated by the one we call the light of the world. What would it be like if the U.S. shone so brightly that nations might look to that light? Of course, these imaginings have to begin with some sense of what light Jesus did shine. Because surely Jesus is a light we're drawn to, a light that shows a way for us. If we paint a picture of the gospel, a picture of the story and significance of Jesus in broad strokes, some broad themes emerge. Care for the poor, making sure that rich and poor have the same standards of living. Welcoming the stranger, the foreigner, and the outcast. Healing those unwell in body or mind. Having compassion for others. Imagine if the United States could be a light that other nations would be drawn to. A light that would illuminate a way consistent with the light Jesus sheds on our lives. Imagine us as a nation that cares for the poor. A country where there is little gap between how the richest and poorest are able to live. Imagine us as a nation that welcomes strangers and foreigners that doesn't cast any group as outcasts. Imagine us as a nation where healing of body and mind are available to those who need it. Imagine if we could have a national ethos of deep and genuine compassion. I have to confess that today it is difficult for me to imagine this picture emerging as reality. And yet surely it is the hope that we strive for. For it is a hope consistent with our faith the hope that is revealed in the light of our faith. This picture of the United States is distant, but it's possible. Healthcare that treats all equally and that doesn't produce large profits for anyone, but it's dedicated to the well-being of our human communities. A public education system that builds strong individuals with wide opportunities awaiting them. Hospitable and just policies of immigration people caring for one another, one-to-one, government to its people, corporations to the world they inhabit. And nations shall come to your light, says Isaiah. Surely this picture is a light worth being drawn to. Jesus sheds light on who we are called to be as individuals and as a worldwide human race. But Jesus also reveals a picture that is sometimes a stretch for us to relate to. Jesus says we must forgive people 70 times 7 times, the highest standard for forgiveness that had ever been proposed. Jesus says we must love our enemies. 
certainly these are nice ideas, right? But it's difficult to imagine how, what those things could have to do with United States being a light to a nation. Can we develop a foreign policy that includes forgiveness and love? Remember that for Jesus, love was not sentimental, but was active. Love involved healing and inclusion, teaching and guidance, setting out a just and compassionate way of life. Is that too much to ask of something like foreign policy? Is it too much to ask of a response to terrorism? It may be. I confess that my faith isn't strong enough to imagine U.S. foreign policy looking like that in my lifetime. But think of the Amish. We have at least one example of a dedicated Christian people who had a great act of violence perpetrated against their community. And I think of how these people chose the path of forgiveness and reached out to the family of the one who perpetrated the violence. Some people are capable of this as individuals and also even as a community. And when this long-shot situation of forgiveness happens, miracles of healing and growth and well-being occur. Wouldn't that be a light to draw the nations, a light to shine out against darkness? You see, when individuals really follow Jesus, they may seem odd in the context of our society. They may take risks or put themselves at risk. But to imagine a group of people, a community, a society that demonstrates the characteristics of Jesus and his ministry and his teaching, now that is a vision. May you have faith and hope enough to hold such a vision, to imagine the most faithful possibilities for our world, our real world, today. May we who call ourselves followers of Jesus play a part in shining that light in our world. Amen.